Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dendi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side, LLC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. I am your host, Talea Dendi. Today, our very special guest is Raina Nicest. Raina is the author of No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. She's an ICF certified coach, positive approach to care independent certified trainer, the host of a Season of Caring podcast, and she's a speaker. Raina is passionate about supporting daughters and sons in a season of caring with their aging parents. Raina lost both of her parents to Alzheimer's disease 20 years apart. After her season of caring for her dad through his journey, she founded a season of caring where she offers regret-free resources, encouragement, and support aimed at preventing family caregivers from aimlessly wandering through this important season of life. Raina lives on a farm in southeast Kansas with her husband, Ron, and a small pack of adorable dogs. She is the baby of her family, but most would never guess. In her free time, Raina enjoys crafts of all kinds and spending time with her grandkids most of all. Raina, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Raina, as I shared earlier, when I read your bio, you were a caregiver for both of your parents. Tell us more about how your caregiving season started. So both of my parents were diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and it was actually 20 years apart that they passed away. I was only 16 when my mom was diagnosed, and she lived 12 years with the disease. So I was not her primary caregiver, but rather was coming and going, trying to help relieve my dad and just help him as much as possible attending college and doing all those things you do in your early 20s. But then seven years after her passing, my dad was diagnosed. He lived with the disease for 14 years and he was doing really well and then had a cancer diagnosis. He had melanoma and that surgery was the beginning of a 
big decline in his Alzheimer's disease. So he did very well with the surgery. It was a large, it was about the size of a quarter on his collarbone. And so with melanoma, they take a lot. And so they had a large gaping wound there, which of course they did a skin graph on. And two weeks later, he had MRSA in the wound. Mm. And so that skin graph failed and MRSA, that infection, oh goodness, he was just crazy out of his mind. He just didn't understand anything that was happening. So we ended up with a quite a long hospital stay with IV antibiotics to help overcome that. And after leaving the hospital, his daily living activities that he should be able to do, shower, shave, those types of things just took a severe hit. His sister had been living with him at that point and they had been getting along really well, sharing household responsibilities. And she was driving at this point, he wasn't driving, but she was really bearing the majority of the caregiving and it just maxed her out to have that need increase so much. So we reached a point as a family, I have one sister, my aunt's like, I'm tapping out girls, I can't do all of this. And we understood that dad was 80 at that point and my aunt was just two years younger, so it was a lot. We did what most families do that are looking at Alzheimer's and we looked at memory care units. The issue for that with our family was that my dad, though he was 80, was still playing volleyball three times a week and going to the gym three times a week. Wow. So he was so physically active that locking him in a restricted unit with their idea of activities being music or crafts, it just didn't fit him. So. My sister and I were struggling with that. I just didn't have peace with putting him there. And I came home from visiting one of the facilities and there are so many beautiful places anymore, nice, lots of services. I just was in tears imagining leaving my dad there. And my husband said to me, Raina, what's going on? I said, I just can't see him living there. And he said, then don't. I said, hey, I live, <laughs> we live 220 miles from where my dad lives. And it was like, how in the world? What I don't understand. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, if you need to come and live with your dad, then that's what you need to do. So that opportunity opened a door, gave me a different perspective because I'm thinking we have a high child in high school, I'm teaching school, I have a life, how okay. am I going to do that? But his permission allowed me to say, what other choices are there? What can caregiving look like for us? It doesn't have to be either or, it could be both. And mm -hmm. so that opened the door for me to look at bringing in-home care to my dad's home, going to my sister and saying, how would you feel if we paid people? If I came up and stayed four days a week and we paid people to take care of him the rest of the time. And she said, I could spend the night two days a week. Hmm. And my aunt said, well, I could spend the night two days a week. And so we put together this puzzle that worked so well for our family between bringing all the resources in. Dad attended day stay, a couple of days a week, he still got to go to the gym, he still got to play volleyball. We brought in help and we just really put that together. So caregiving looked really different depending on which season I was in, but that last season with my dad was really hands-on. I'd made that 220 mile drive every week for over two and a half years and stayed about three and a half days and then would come home to the farm, take care of my family here and then pack up and go again. And the last two years of my dad's life, I was able to do every other weekend. The physical demand just got to be a lot. The emotional demand got to be a lot. So I found that there were others that were better at caring for him in that way. 
accepting crisis. And then I was able to just go and drop things and take care of him as I needed to. Thank you, Raina, for sharing that. And it's such a blessing that right away you had the support of your husband and he's just, hey, do whatever you need to do. I'm assuming that made things a lot easier for you and took some of the pressure off of this new lifestyle that you were entering into. It really did. I think it was surprising when he said it, but then I don't know if he really knew how long or what all it was going to entail to do that. But it was so affirming to say, okay, I really can do what needs to be done here. And I think it also challenged me to then say, how do I honor them both? How do I honor my marriage and continue to support him at the same time as honor my dad and support him as he continues to progress through this disease? How do I keep my own identity while honoring these other commitments and still be true to myself? And I think that was really important. And he started helping me think that way. Wonderful. I think, Raina, that so many people get frustrated with caregiving because you just said it you really thought about how do I not lose myself? And I think when people are caregivers, a lot of the times they feel like, hey, I've given up my life. I've taken on this new identity. What are some suggestions or advice that you have for people that may be feeling that way? I think the most important thing is to realize this is a new season and you cannot do all that you did in your season before. You have to make room. So if you imagine your life as a plate and you have this plate heaping to the edges already and you're going to put caregiving on top of it, all you're going to have is a mess. And you're going to always be overwhelmed and you're always going to look at that and just feel like it's all a mess. If in the beginning of your caregiving season you realize, okay, I have some white space, I have some room, I can move some things around and make a little bit more room and you add caregiving in there with intention, I think you can do that. But caregiving usually increases, the demands increase as we're caring. And so typically we have to move things off of our plate. And I feel like that's why it's so helpful to look at it as a season. I let go of teaching. In six months, I looked at my life and said, okay, what I'm doing is very important. I want to continue to provide the support for my dad. What do I need to let go of in order to continue to be a good wife and to continue to be able to maintain relationships? And I was also in school to become a coach at that time. So I let go of my teaching. I said, okay, that season is gone. I can pick up it again if I want to, but I'm going to let it go. And by letting that go, it opened up more room emotionally, physically, all of the things that we have to consider as caregivers. And it made me be able to say, okay, I can continue to focus on my dad, make those memories with him, provide the best care for him while I'm there with him at the same time as start building a new career with coaching and looking at some other things that I want to do. So my encouragement is really evaluate what's most important and let go of the things you need to let go of. It's just for a season. You can come back to it and remember that, yes, it's going to take time. It's going to take sacrifice. That's what caregiving is. So realizing that and embracing it with intention. I think that is great advice, Raina, because a lot of times when new things come into our lives, new responsibilities, we try to figure out how can I juggle it all when in reality, it's just not possible at times. So just being okay with letting things go, 
but throwing in the caveat that it's only for a season, I think that can help really take some of that pressure and even guilt away from the thing that you're letting go of for this period of time. Thank you for sharing that. Another thing I want to go back to, Raina, is you mentioned that you had to bring someone in to help you care for your father, especially for the physical demands that were presenting themselves. What were some things that you were looking for in those providers that would be potentially helping you? What were some key things that you were looking for so that people that are entering into this stage they can have an idea of things that were helpful for you to think about and look for? I think the first step is to really write down what you need and be, again, extremely intentional with, this is what I need. One of the things that I needed was not to bathe my dad. I bathed my mom, but my dad and I were adults and had an adult relationship. I was so young when my mom was sick that it was just, she just needed help. And I just stepped into that role without a lot of thought. My dad and I had been adults together and I just wasn't comfortable with that. Eventually I did have to step in at times and help with those things. Obviously it became incontinent and we had accidents and things that we needed to do. But the every day, every morning that I was there to have to get up and walk into his intimate space of that way was not comfortable for me. So as I was looking at what do I need, I knew I needed someone who could do that. I knew that our schedule needed to look like that. We also found with the companies that we worked with, that really specific schedule was very important. My dad was a very routine guy. That was who he was. It wasn't me imposing that routine on him. That's who he was. I always share, my dad worked at Folgers Coffee and my mom made his lunch every day and he took a brown bag. He had a bologna and cheese sandwich with lettuce on it, an apple and Fritos every day. That's when he made his own choices. That wasn't us saying, oh, this is just the easiest to do. That's who he was. So I always told our caregivers that story so they understood routine was who my dad was. And that was really important to him. Routine's really important when you're dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's because it keeps the muscle memory in place longer. But it also was important in the character of who my dad was. Mm -hmm. So I wanted them to understand his routine was really important. So we actually documented all of us have a morning routine. We went in and said, okay, he shaves first. This is how he does his shaving cream. This is how step by step in the shower, he washes his hair first. He bathes his body in seconds to that detail so that we could help him with his routines as long as possible and step in when we needed to, but it would still feel the same with every single person who came in the door. So we required every company to have a one-on-one interview with our family so that we could see who the caregiver was, how they interacted with my dad and explain to them what our expectation was. So out of the gate, we set very clear expectations and we had those routines and documentation in place so that they knew what we were expecting. So that was the number one thing that was different with our family was we didn't allow you to send whoever you wanted to send. We required you to have a team that worked with our family. And if someone in that team was not available, then our family stepped into that role and took over for that day. So as that became an issue, then we fired that company and hired a new one. And we did that frequently because it seemed like they could meet our expectations initially, but the longer they worked for us, the more 
they expected one of their employees to step in all the time and cover. So we would go from three to five people on the team to one or two. And that wasn't realistic. When we got to that place, we would say, you have to find new team members or we need to find a new company because people are going to be sick. Emergencies are going to happen. And so we did end up changing companies. So I think anybody who's looking to find that caregiver support expectations are so important. You have to identify them for yourself first, because if you don't, you're going to be nitpicking somebody and that's unfair. They didn't even know you wanted them to do that. (laughs) So you have to make sure you know what you want. And I really recommend getting it on paper, being really honest with the interview process, with the company that you're interviewing and just lay out those expectations. They are always honest about their ability to reach those expectations because they want your business. But you just hold their feet to the fire. You have those tough conversations. I used to say, my sister's really kind-hearted. I am too, but I'm a little bit more business-minded. And so I used to say, I would interview the companies initially and then say, you're going to meet my sister and she will go through everything in the home. You'll meet my dad. And then once I would make the phone call to go ahead and make the final decision to hire, and then I would just tell them, I'm just going to let you know, you probably won't talk to me again until there's an issue. Mm -hmm. If there's a problem, if you hear from me, that means we need this problem fixed or I'll be calling to fire you. And I just learned to put it out there because Robin did the everyday scheduling. Robin did a lot of the everyday interaction. So that allowed her to do those things. And she and I would have those conversations. But when it got to a point where the line needed to be drawn a little thicker, a little bit more muscle behind the conversation, then my voice came in and I was able to say, we need this. And they were able to tell me, okay, we'll work on it or that's not going to happen. And then I would say, okay, this is your notice. We'll be replacing you within a week. And so we would be in the process of finding someone else. Thank you, Raina. While you were sharing that with us, I thought about the importance of having a team, you and your sister, and having that balance within the team, because there were certain things that she was great at. There are certain things that you were great at. And that's really, I believe, how you get the job done is just having someone that you can play off of each other and make sure those tough things get done. Everybody plays their part. And it sounded like it worked out pretty well. It really did. Bringing different personalities into our team was a plus. Oftentimes when we're managing, which that's what you become as a caregiver, especially when you're bringing other help in, you're managing. When you become a manager of a group of people, you often are looking for those people that are most like you because they think like you and they do things like you and that's comfortable, right? But the goal is to have a healthy team that is well balanced and understanding that bringing in different personalities and people with different strengths allows you to let go of the things that are not your strength and rely on them. I always said too, there were some of the caregivers that were not my favorite But man, to watch them interact with my dad was so much fun. I'm not a very fun person. I (laughs) I have my sense of humor, but it's not, I'm just not a light, fun and airy kind of person. So having those goofy people come in and be silly with my dad, we had one caregiver, his name was Al, and he was just the funniest guy. He was about 15 years younger than my dad. And they just were hilarious together from jumping out behind the door at him. to It was just so funny to see this playfulness that Al brought out in my dad that I didn't. And by having Al on Saturday mornings for four hours, 
my dad had a relief from let's get it done, dad, let's go. Or the activities that I kept him engaged in, I brought strengths, Al brought strengths. And if they all look like Raina, dad would have been bored. I think it's so important to realize those personalities bring a lot. I agree. And I like that you were able to add that aspect into it where your dad was probably looking forward to having that person come in. He knew that he could be goofy and silly with this person. That creates an atmosphere and an experience that people tend to look forward to. And Al wasn't the best at following the checklist or <laughs> or remembering to put the milk in the fridge, but he was the best at making my dad laugh and enjoying yeah. that time together. So as I transitioned into supporting others in their caring season, I developed a quiz. It's available at caringquiz.com and it's a personality quiz. It allows you to see what your personality as a caregiver is probably looking at your strengths and then realizing, hey, let's as a team, let's take this quiz and make sure we're all represented here. It's called the HOPE team. So there's four different personalities and it allows you to take a look at, okay, maybe I have too many of one type of personality and that's not a good balance. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to be able to look at the balance, let people work in their strengths and we all have to do things we don't love, right? That's what jobs are. But at the same time, bringing people in who love to do other things can be really helpful. My sister, she's a spreadsheet girl. So she did all the scheduling. She did all of the finances. That's what she loved. I did more of the hands-on with my dad and really thinking about analyzing the structure and those kind of things that were important to support him. So I think we all have to work it within our strengths. and. When we try to do it all ourselves, the person we're caring for is missing out because mm -hmm. there are other things that people can bring to it. Raina, how did you experience joy in caring for your father in his final days? I learned that I had to stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. With a disease like Alzheimer's, you know, when they lose their ability to remember your mom or remember that they have children. There's a lot of grief involved with caregiving when someone's forgetting you and the life that you shared in the past. So you have to literally learn to let go of what was and hold on to what is. And so finding the joy for me was focusing in the moment, finding the big smiles, saying the silly things. I brought in a ping pong table for my dad. <laughs> I was looking for things to do. He loved to be outside. He was so physically active, but the heat was just too much. And so I was looking for things to do. I went to Walmart and I looked and I found this ping pong net that could go on your dining room table. Nice. And I brought that one weekend and I said, hey, dad, let's give it a try. We had played when I was little and I wasn't real sure how he would do. But oh my gosh, we played for three hours the first <laughs> time I got it out. We listened to Elvis and we laughed and we had so much fun that within a month I was saying to my husband, we need a ping pong table. And so we got on Craigslist and bought one and we put it in the formal family room and moved everything else out of the way. And we spent hours playing ping pong. My dad would hit the corner of the ping pong table. The ball would roll all the way down the hall where all the bedrooms were and you'd have to go chase it. And he'd just be grinning at you when you came back with the ball in your hand. <laughs> so the man couldn't shower himself, but he could play ping pong. So we okay. found the things that we could do together. We laughed as much as we could. 
And I stayed focused in the moment. And that's where the joy was. It's such a blessing to be able to look back and have those memories that you can reflect on and think about the fun that you did have and the good times, even though it was a tough time. Definitely. And that is one of the things I'm most thankful for that I was able to spend the time because when you're caregiving, there are many moments in which you have to do the hard things, taking them to the restroom, cleaning up accidents, cooking, not my favorite thing to do. (laughs) There were many moments that were hard, but because I had lots of moments, I had the opportunity to find the joy and to be able to remember those things as well. And at this point, four years later with him, since his passing, the smile and the laughter are all the things that I remember the most. Wonderful. Raina, as we all know, everyone enters caregiving at different stages. What is one thing that you offer to others in the middle or beginning of caring for a loved one? So we talked a little bit earlier about at the beginning, definitely making room, finding the space. But I would say the success for the middle, even towards the end, is that opportunity to stop and reflect. If we don't stop and reflect, life is so busy. There are always things to do on the to-do list, but learning to work in regular moments of reflection and asking yourself questions. How am I? How are things going? How is the person that you're caring for? What do they need? What do I need? Really stopping and figuring out the answers to those questions gives you the opportunity to make a new choice. When I found myself at a place that physically I was struggling, dad wasn't sleeping well, therefore I wasn't sleeping well. I found myself driving in situations that were probably not safe because I was tired on my way home from my weekend with him. And I stopped to say, what do I need? Mm -hmm. I need more sleep. So I made the adjustment to say I need the caregivers longer so that I can get a solid four hours of sleep not just two hours or whatever. So stopping in the moment and making a new choice, I always say allows us to walk them all the way home and bury them with no regrets. If we stay in the crazy and we just keep doing it all, then we're going to have regrets when we get to the end. But I found myself knowing that I had done everything that I could. I had done the best that I could for him and for me because I frequently stopped and asked myself the questions and made the changes that I need to make. I think that's so important because it's so easy to run out of steam. And if you're able to just stop and really hone in on those things that you need, it can make a world of difference. It can give you time to recharge and then also just be a better caregiver overall. For sure. And I think finding a way to schedule those regular times to check in with yourself is really helpful. I had the drive. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was in the car for almost four hours. So I could stop and check in each at the end of each weekend and see how I was, what I needed, what adjustments I needed to make for dad and for myself. But I think even if you're living in the home, if you would just pick one day a week and say, this is my morning routine, or before I go to bed, I'm going to journal a couple of these things and really make sure that I think through, I think you have to schedule it because things are so busy, but it's Mm -hmm. so worth it if you will regularly put that time into your schedule and really 
find that space to emotionally and spiritually recharge yourself. Raina, were there some other ways that you cared for yourself while caring for your dad? You mentioned the reflection, you mentioned taking the time, having a routine. Were there some other things that you found really helpful? So for me, it was that intentionality overlays all of it, but I was really intentional with my friends. I was honest about, hey, I'm not here half the time anymore, but I need you. I have a friend named Katie that I called her my fun friends. And at least once a month, we scheduled lunch or a walk in the park because she made me laugh. And I knew I needed that. Being intentional with those relationships, I think made a big difference for my personal self-care as well, was having, maintaining those relationships. I had a grandson born in the middle of my caregiving season, actually about nine months in. And I set aside one day a week to spend with him. He brought so much joy watching him learn to grow and explore life and that bond that we had, the joy that he had when he saw me was definitely selfish on my part because it gave me so much. So I think finding those priorities and finding a way to really keep them a part of your life. Again, I didn't get to hang out with my friends as much as I used to. I didn't get to go to weekend conferences or those kinds of things during my caring season. But I did make sure I kept those relationships going and I set aside specific times. So we just had to schedule things. That's so important is to make sure that people, your friends, are aware of what's going on with you because that can cause other friction if you just suddenly change or you stop coming around and they're like, what's going on with Raina? And so I really like that you put it out there and you said, this is what's going on with me. And earlier you mentioned that, hey, I may actually need your help. Yeah, I think being honest about where you are is so important because they don't know. Unless Mm -hmm. they've been there, they don't have any idea what it's like. And it might not be what you want to spend your time talking about when you actually get to see each other, but they need to have a little picture into what's happening in your life so that they can support you. Raina, how do you work with the people that you support? Is it in person, Zoom? Please tell us more about that. Sure. So I have a variety of different ways. I do have a free online Zoom support group once a month, and you can find that at a seasonofcaring.com and just sign up to be a part of that. I also lead a support group every week on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time in partnership with Nourish for Caregivers. And then I coach people one-on-one, and I do that actually over phone. I find that sometimes it's a little easier to cry and have all the emotions (laughs) we need to have when we're not watching each other. We do that usually meet weekly or every other week for about an hour to be able to talk through what's happening. And just a lot of those questions I talked about, sometimes it's helpful to have someone else hear your answers and then help you problem solve what you might need to do. And also have a little accountability around making some of those changes for your own self-care. You offer a free consultation for people who may be on the fence about, hey, I'm not sure if this is the right thing for me. Definitely. If you visit a seasonofcaring.com, you can just hop right on my calendar and just have an opportunity to touch base and see if it's a good fit to do coaching together. Thank you. Raina, of course, my podcast is about people who have been impacted by cancer and caregiving is a lot in itself. But having to care for a, a parent, a loved one with cancer, that adds a, an extra layer to it. What advice do you have for those caregivers that have 
the duality of cancer or even something like dementia, what advice do you have for them to just be able to keep going just to manage it all? I think the most important thing you can do is actually take on the label of a caregiver. By receiving that label, you then begin to understand that this is not a normal season of life and you need to treat yourself in a way that a caregiver needs to be treated. You need support. You need to understand that there's additional stresses. It also helps you find additional support resources available online. When we embrace the caregiver label, we begin to find all of the people that are out there talking to caregivers, trying to support you. And so I would encourage you to do that. There are so many great resources available. Look for that help. And I would say find a support group. Not everyone is comfortable in a support group setting, but I think when you find the right kinds, you really can find a group of people to journey this with. And you will find that there's so many things that you didn't know were coming that they can help you with, or just processing through the emotions of caregiving. Are there any support groups that you recommend? I think each person is so different and there are all different kinds of support groups. Definitely support groups are available for around your specific kind of illness of the person that you're caring for. So associations have a lot of things available. Again, I facilitate a support group through Nourish for Caregivers and it is a faith-based support group. So there are just really all different kinds. So I guess I recommend to the person to think about what kind of support is going to feel best for them. What kind of connection are they looking for? Is it around the illness? Is it around faith. There's actually support groups for people that do stand-up comedians or people <laughs> that write poetry. So there's all different kinds. And I wasn't aware of that until I started looking at it. So I would just say find those things that can be helpful. Some support groups that are, are around art and they paint and talk and do those things together. So finding what works for you is not always easy, but again, taking on the label of caregiver helps you search for those. And I would say that finding what is a good fit for you is important. That's a great point, Raina, is finding that personalization, what really speaks to you, because that's probably what's going to keep you coming is finding that right fit. Yeah, that connection, that commonality you have with others, it is what, what makes it wonderful. My group We've been together since COVID hit and we're just a family now. We have some that have lost the people that they're caring for and they're like, is it okay if I still come? We're like, yes, please, we love you, come back. But I think it is finding that connection, that common ground. It's so interesting how a lot of the tough things we go through life, that's where we find our community. For sure. And community is so important. We can't do this alone. We all say it over and over again, but I know even you talk about with Talia, just having the people that have been through cancer before, if you're the one who is in that journey, there's such a connection and it's so valuable. And I think that's true for the caregiver as well. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us some additional things to think about, Raina. That's very helpful because it can be intimidating just venturing out and admitting that, hey, I need this support. Raina, before I end, I'd like to ask my guests these two questions. The first one is, what is something that you've learned in life, if you haven't already shared it, that you would like to share with the listeners? I think my main takeaway from this caregiving season with my dad was that I could bury him without regrets, that I could know that I had done everything possible. And I 
feel like that's so important to be able to look back. It wasn't that it was perfect. It wasn't that everything was easy or even smooth. I don't know. It was just that each step of the way I could step back and go, oh, this isn't working. What can I do differently? And making those pivots as needed really helped me feel confident that I was able to give my dad the best that he could have through this difficult season of his life as well. Thank you for sharing that. Finally, Raina, what is next for you? That's such a fun question because I'm not a big dreamer. And <laughs> so for me, what's next, I actually have been able to publish a book and I never, ever imagined being an author. My goal is just to continue to support others and be able to be there to help them learn the lessons that I learned through my caregiving season, maybe with a little less pain or definitely with a little more support. So I am excited to be able to just come alongside others who find themselves walking that journey of trying to walk their parents all the way home and do it in a way that leaves them with a life that they love still. And they can walk back into without feeling like they gave everything up. I like that. It's so important because a lot of times it's hard for us to really focus on the moment. And I think that what you just shared is so important. It just gives people a different perspective because sometimes we don't always know what's next. We haven't even had an opportunity to think that far because we're working through what's in front of us right now. So thank you for sharing that, Raina. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we end today? I think mainly just to realize that you are in the place that you're in and that's okay. And there are good things about it and there are difficult things about it. And those two things can still be true at the same time. And so finding the good in the midst of the struggle can be a difficult thing to do, but it does bring such joy. And so just encourage you that even if the season feels heavy and hard right now, there are things to be thankful for and there is joy in it and that you can find that joy and be able to get the support you need if you're having trouble finding that joy. And Raina, please share with the audience one more time, if they need your support, where can they find you? I have a podcast called A Season of Caring podcast. And so I'm available weekly there. My website is aseasonofcaring.com. And I have a book called No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season, which is available at all major retailers. Raina, I would like to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. I do hope that it's been a real encouragement to those that are caring for their loved ones. And I thank you for what you're doing to help people through a season that is difficult in their life and possibly not walking their loved one all the way home, but walking them to health again. And I think it's such an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you, Raina. Before we end today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.